0: your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So are you ready to recover from
1: reality? The whole world is grieving. And I think that you're right. We're grieving, not just the loss of people. We are losing a lot of people and we know people who are dying and we know people who are losing people. And that is very real and very big grief. But We're grieving the life we were living six weeks ago. We're grieving the summer we were going to have. We're grieving our kids missing their friends and their teachers and their classroom environments. Um, We're grieving the loss of jobs and companies that are falling apart and money and paychecks. And um, we're grieving our sanity. You know, like you said, we're grieving our identities. We're all changing because of this in massive ways. Um, And I think We're also being forced to sit in this really big sea of uncertainty right now, which I think is really challenging for people.
0: That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Claire Bidwell. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Many of you have been DMing me just feeling overwhelmed with grief. Grief of, you know, the loss of our realities of our normal day-to-day experience. Many of us have lost jobs, losing loved ones, missing out on weddings, having to cancel our weddings, um, and maybe even mourning the past. Our experiences that are currently bubbling up to the surface because we are home and things are quiet and we're starting to kind of wake up to our realities. So this week's episode um, dives into the topic of grief. What grief is, how it comes up in our life with um, Claire, who is just an incredible therapist. She's written multiple books on this topic. The most recent one is about how anxiety and grief go hand in hand. Quick shout out to our sponsor for this week, Cured Nutrition. Y'all know I'm a huge fan. I love Cured. Right now you can go to curednutrition.com and use code ALEXIS25 for 25% off your order. Not your first order, just your order of $50 or more. That's code ALEXIS25 when you check out. And with that, here's this week's episode. As of 45 minutes ago, when I was falling my eyes out in my room, feeling like a terrible <laughs> parent, I was thinking like, oh, I've got Claire at three and we're going to talk about grief. And I think for so many of us, like we're really grieving so much more than just like the loss of loved ones or oh, yeah. the loss of a job or whatever. It's like, I've lost my identity. I've lost my identity in quarantine. And as much as like, I'm so spiritually fit and I do all of the things, it doesn't (laughs) matter because I'm still a human having a human experience, but my God. Yeah. I just literally was like bawling my eyes out 45 minutes ago because I am so freaking stressed. Me too. Mm -hmm. Everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, I have a second grade daughter and a fifth grade daughter and an 18 month old son. And it is so much. I've never been busier with work. And uh, yeah, my husband and I are really enjoying each other these days, too. <laughs> <laughs> so all the things. Yeah. It's all the
0: things. And I think that, you know, the first four weeks of this, I was like, OK, like I've got this. Um, we'll have a schedule. Mm-hmm. And I practice the Rye philosophy for raising children, respectful mm-hmm. parenting, and I value playtime and one-on-one time with them. And I just realized, like the first four weeks were fine, and then these last three weeks, everything's really falling apart, and it's because of excessive iPad time and mm-hmm. the fact that that schedule's no longer working anymore, and my husband's business is falling apart. And we haven't collected a paycheck in weeks and we don't, you know, get any stimulus check. And we just, it's like, Holy cow. It's like, it's almost like we're you're drowning and you keep coming up for little sips of air and you're trying to be a rock for everybody else too. Right. Because I've got this whole community that also depends on me and looks to me. I mean, I got a call at 9am this morning from a girl who I was at my treatment center who wants to AMA. She wants to leave against medical advice. And after speaking to her for 45 minutes, she was just like, I just, I love you so much. And like your work has really transformed my life, but like, I just am not ready to do this. And it's like, it's like every time you feel like something's, you know, I don't know. So I would be... I think my community, we definitely want to get into the grief of losing a loved one in the current situation. But I think the grief of kind of like losing ourselves is also such a huge part of this. And so I'm curious to hear like what you're
1: experiencing in your community right now. Yeah, I can speak to all of that. Um, I have been in the grief world personally for 20 years professionally for over 10, um, worked in hospice, worked in private practice as a grief therapist, lost both of my parents at a young age, which put me into it all. I have never been busier in my entire career. I've written three books. I've had a busy career and I have never been busier than I am right now because the whole world is grieving. And I think that you're right. We're grieving not just the loss of people. We are losing a lot of people and we know people who are dying and we know people who are losing people. And that is very real, and very big grief, but we're grieving the life we were living six weeks ago. We're grieving the summer we were going to have. We're grieving our kids, missing their friends and their teachers and their classroom environments. Um, we're grieving the loss of jobs and companies that are falling apart and money and paychecks. And, um, we're grieving our sanity, you know, like you said, we're grieving our identities. We're all changing because of this in massive ways. And I think, We're also being forced to sit in this really big sea of uncertainty right now, which I think is really challenging for people. And I think there's some of us who've been through grief, trauma, recovery, all kinds of things that are skilled at that, right? We've really worked hard on learning how to sit with uncertainty, learning how to really cultivate those inner tools And still, this is really hard. And then there's people who haven't cultivated those things and they are really flailing around.
0: And I want to talk about that too, because (laughs) yes, I'm one of those people that like really knows how to sit in the discomfort of life. And it's just like, okay, this is temporary suffering. It's going to be okay. Here are the tools that I can use to regulate my emotions and to make myself feel better in the moment and to just let go. One article that I was reading this morning that I wanted to talk to you about was these conspiracy theories that are just blowing up everywhere. And it was basically saying that it's tied to grief Mm -hmm. and that people Mm -hmm. are spinning these and all of the, you know, they believe this doctor over this doctor and this and over this and this and this, and 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 all the stuff is popping up on the internet because people don't know how to deal with stress and grief. And so they are turning down these rabbit holes as a way to cope Mm -hmm. with the current
1: reality. I think we're going to see so much more of that too. You know, again, I think there's a lot of people who haven't cultivated those skills and this is so stressful. And when you don't have um, any kind of framework or bandwidth for those, um, that kind of stress or know how to sit in uncomfortability, you do start to look to blame people, look to blame things, you get angry, um, you act out, you act rashly, you get impatient, all those things, and um, get a lot of anxiety, which causes more fear and um, more anger. And so I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see people at their best and their worst in the coming couple of years, you know, as this continues to unfold, I think we're seeing incredible things happen right now, like beautiful, transformative things, people coming together in ways they haven't ever before, people creating and innovating in ways that are really exciting and that are going to be really helpful. Um, But we're also going to see the falling apart of things that aren't working and people that weren't working beforehand and are now really falling apart. And I think we're going to see even more of a divide, too. You know, our country is already so divided right now. And it's coming to a head even more, um, which is really sad, but you're right. It's a way of people processing their grief. You know, they're, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're sad, they're hurting. And so they just lash out when they don't have the proper tools.
0: And they're looking for an alternative as if the current reality isn't crazy enough. It's Mm -hmm. almost like we're, we're going, Oh, this is crazy, but it's so crazy that I can't even wrap my head around it. So I have to turn it into something that's even crazier that it's not in order to kind of rationalize why I'm feeling the way that
1: I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think we do a lot of things like that when we're in pain, right? We find many ways to escape the pain. And we find many ways to divert and to distract um, and to project all of those feelings and those that that pain. And I think those of us who've had to really learn how to sit with pain know how hard it is, but how rewarding it can be. And, And if you haven't done it before, I think you're flailing around right now. And I'm trying to, I'm trying in my calmest moments to like send love to that Population, those people who are really hurting and don't know how to express it, don't know how to sit with it. And I'm trying to cultivate like some kind of loving kindness and awareness for that. But it's difficult sometimes. It's hard to watch.
0: Yeah, it's hard to watch because it almost feels like self-sabotage. And here's the thing, like I was saying um before, like the world really is crazy enough. COVID has illuminated the way that, you know, and I say this in every episode and I'm sorry guys, but it's just, it's always poignant and it's always true that the way that we've been operating as a society is just no longer sustainable. Mm -hmm. When, you know, you apply just a tiny bit of pressure to capitalism, the whole thing blows up every 10 years and you have to bail out these major companies every 10 years. This is not working. When millions upon millions of people don't have health insurance, this is not working. When the vast majority of the population doesn't have any savings, it's not working. You know, when you have a, a government that's bailing out major corporations over, you know, providing stimulus checks for every single American, this is not working. And I'm hearing a lot of people saying, well, like, oh, well, sexual abuse is up and suicide is up and mental health issues are up and addiction is up and all that, but all of these things were always present. And that's what I've been saying since like the beginning of time, like sound, excuse my language, the fucking alarms, like this is not okay. This is not okay. You know, in the month of March alone, Addiction killed 3,200 people. And that's happening every single month, Mm -hmm. all of the time. And it's just going up and up and up every single year. And so the world really is crazy enough. And I'm not saying that some of these things are just, you know, absolutely not true or not founded. What I'm saying is that we have to be really careful in these moments when we're, and I talk about this often too, living in that fight or flight response and Mm -hmm. not really accessing that prefrontal cortex, that decision making to be able to discern like what is actual truth and what is a pretend doctor on Facebook (laughs) spreading information as if he's like, you know, a COVID specialist, really, he's an ophthalmologist. (laughs) You know
1: what I mean? Yes. I think people are um, grasping at anything right now to kind of get some kind of grounding to grapple with their pain. And it's hard to sort out where is the right, what's the right thing to grasp onto at any given time.
0: Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Cured Nutrition. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how much I love Cured. They're a Colorado proud company who has put quality local sourcing and a strong brand behind their name since inception. They're on a mission to harness the healing power of nature with products that the body was designed to thrive on. Perform balance and recover from sunrise to sunset with your daily dose of cured. Y'all know how much I love CBD, but it's cured CBD that is truly something special. I love their Zen nighttime blend. It helps me get an amazing night's sleep. They combine different mushrooms with their CBD like lion's mane and others to help you have the maximum benefit from the CBD that you take. They have regular tinctures, which I take throughout the day, a couple of drops of those. They also have the capsules, the Zen nighttime for bedtime. And then they also have the Rise, which has a mushroom blend plus B vitamins. They have even really cool products like CBD infused olive oil, which I love. And not to mention the dog treats, which my girl Sailor is obsessed with. CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation and reduce the body's total stress load. Right now, if you go to curednutrition.com and enter the code ALEXIS25, you get 25% off your first purchase. That's curednutrition.com with promo code ALEXIS25 for 25% off your purchase of $50 or more. Hey
1: everybody, Gabby Reese here. Please join me for my show where we're going to be talking about all things self-care. And I don't mean just eating and exercise. I'm talking stress, marriage, relationships, parenting, business, transitions. How do we figure out a way to be our best selves each and every day? So whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen, please join join me. If you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday.
0: What are some tools that you would suggest for people who are feeling the effect, like that haven't been personally affected by COVID, but that are feeling that, you know, Because it's so true. The vast majority of us are just running around on automatic pilot, go, 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 go. And now all of a sudden we have to stop. Mm -hmm. And it's really uncomfortable to stop. So what are some tools that you would suggest for people that they can be doing in their homes right now to help themselves stay calm and level-headed?
1: Um, I think, you know, some of my favorite basics are always meditation and mindfulness. And I know that they're talked about all the time and I talk about them all the time. And I know they're intimidating to some people too, and they sound hard or they sound like they're not going to be that effective, but um, learning to pay attention to our thoughts and what we're letting run through our minds all day long, paying attention to the information we're gathering, you know, I... I've made it a practice for myself in this time to not look at my phone for at least an hour after I get out of bed. You know, I get up, I have coffee, I sit outside, I ground a little bit, and then I will look at my phone. In other times in my life, and I know a lot of people that I know do this, they'll look at the phone before they're out of bed. And the information we can take in, in 30 seconds can be so harmful. It can cause so much anxiety. It can cause physical reactions of stress and emotions that can then cause behavioral reactions, you know, turning to substances or turning to maladaptive behaviors. So being really careful with what we're letting in, what we're taking in, and then being really mindful about getting very present. You know, it's interesting when we're grieving you know, more like even just general grief when we've lost somebody we love when we're grieving, we're spending a lot of time thinking about the past, what was, what led up to the death, how we lost that person, what our life was once like. And we're spending a lot of time in the future um, worrying about what it's going to all look like now, how it's changed um, going to certain events or, you know, just certain things that we're going to do now without that person. And we spend very little time in the present moment. Um, But the present moment is what can really ground us and, keep us from a lot of stress and anxiety and depression and certain behaviors that I think are really important to just work on and take care of ourselves. I also think that compassion is really important right now. Um, I think some people don't feel permission to be grieving, permission to be having a hard time. Um, I know some people who have very privileged situations and they don't feel like they're allowed to be having a hard time right now. Or I know some people who are you know, they just, they feel like because they haven't lost a loved one, then they shouldn't be grieving or having a hard time. But I think being really compassionate with ourselves, giving ourselves permission to to grieve, to lean into this time, to let it change us, um, to really look at what it's asking of us to become. You know, these kinds of things, grief in general, and then this pandemic, it strips us down. Like you said, we go, go, go all the time. Um, and we've stopped. And we're having to let go of all these pieces that we usually think make up our identity. Oh, I'm this really busy person. And I run around and I do all these things. And this is my job. And this is my mom life. And this is all this stuff. And then it's suddenly kind of taken away. And you're left looking at yourself in a pretty bare, stark way, which is not a bad thing. It can be uncomfortable and painful, but it's not a bad thing to take that hard look. It's
0: interesting because it's almost like we... <laughs> We give ourselves like busy awards, like the busier that we are, the more important we feel. Um, And I've so been trapped and wrapped up in that narrative that, you know, work always has to be hard, that I have to work hard in order to provide for my family, that there is no free space. And I think one of the biggest things, that's one of the biggest things that I've struggled with just in general in every aspect of my life, you know, but even before I returned to work, being the busiest mom mm-hmm. and, and feeling even like my husband would come home and be like, Oh, it's been such a day. I'm like, Oh, and me too. And I would just like dump all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, why, <laughs> why am I doing this? Like I'm doing this because, um, I need to feel validated. I'm doing this because of X, Y, or Z. Right. And so it's definitely interesting you know, as I developed a mindfulness practice and I can't, I can't stress the importance of this enough. Like if you haven't been doing this previously, now is the time to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what it does is it creates these pockets of space in your life. You know, it's funny because I remember my grandfather saying something to me like, oh, and we were you know, growing up, we didn't have phones. We didn't have all this stuff. We didn't have all these constant distractions. There was space in our life. You didn't get emails at 8am to be checked. You didn't get, you didn't see your coworkers. If there was an emergency in the office, someone would call you at your home, but they wouldn't dare call before 9am. And you know what I mean? And there was just this Mm -hmm. spaciousness to life. And I, Can't help but think that the reason why we're seeing such an uptick in mental health issues, especially in youth, is because of the way that we've been operating like this. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm watching my 10 year old just the way that she looks at social media, the way that she utilizes her screen. And again, it's this the amount of information that she's downloading into her head at any given time. And You know, I'm trying, but it's not coming naturally either to me or to her to necessarily practice this like spaciousness that she needs, that she needs as a human being, that we all need, that I do remember from my teen years more so, you know. And I think that I think it's something that we really kind of have to backtrack and work on in our culture. And we're gonna have to do it even harder, like we are gonna have to work to balance it even more given the situation we're now in, where we're virtual all the time right now. Um, We're on screens all the time, even more so. Um, And I think that it's it's taking a toll and it's causing a lot of anxiety. It already was, and now it's going to continue.
0: Some of the things that I've been doing, I definitely caught myself in the beginning, like you were saying, getting up in the morning and checking my phone just because I was so like the news. I was like, I need to know like what's going on. And what I found was, okay, so, and this is where a beautiful mindfulness practice comes in of someone who's been practicing for a long time as I'm going, Wait, what's happening to my body? It's been a few days of this I'm like how does my body and my brain feel mm-hmm. when I'm checking my phone first thing in the morning? Great. And what are the physiological like effects of this? Like I feel yeah. my heart rate has increased. I feel more short tempered with my children throughout the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I feel X, Y and Z. And so what we've been doing in the morning every morning um, with the kids is my husband gets up with them and then I do a meditation. And then sometimes I invite my kids upstairs to do a mindfulness practice with me, but we all get out of the house first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And at this point, yes, my kids have been on the screens for probably like a half an hour while mommy Mm -hmm. and daddy are getting ready. But we get outside and we go on a 45 minute long walk before school, before work, before anything. And it has made such a huge difference in just the overall vibe of the rest of the day. And love that. It's so nice. And I've even been trying to do it in the evenings too. Sometimes it's hit or Mm -hmm. miss just because we've been all like running around and um, are behind on schoolwork or an assignment or whatever it might be. But yeah, it's definitely allowed for, you know, creativity, Mm -hmm. which I think we're creating a world of consumers a future generation of consumers yeah. in all of this YouTube stuff rather than a generation of creatives. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because just this morning on the walk, my kids are pretending that the flowers that they find, they found long sticks and they were fishing poles. Hmm. And then they set, would find these flowers on the floor, and each one was a different type of fish, okay, so that 's like a bass and that 's a salmon and a salmon's pink, and all of these different things that's and awesome. so yeah it's just it allows for that that expansion i and I think that that's invaluable just to turn it all off and go for a walk and get outside. I have a friend who I knew back in my entertainment days who was in the ICU for quite a while with COVID, mm-hmm. and I watched his video when he came out talking about you know when he got into that ambulance and knowing that he might be forever saying goodbye to his three year old and five like I'm getting emotional just talking about it five month old and his wife, you know, and that is a very real scenario for a lot of people, and not only that, but because my community around addiction, you know, is, um, we've had a lot of losses, uh, in the last couple of months and we're not able to have funerals and we're not able to have all of these things. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, and I even think about Kobe's death, like Mm -hmm. his wife, like never getting to be able to say goodbye to, your husband or your child or whoever it might be. There's another um, family in my community where the mom and dad passed leaving behind four kids with their grandparents. They were never able to say goodbye. Where do you even begin to grieve?
1: Grief takes a long time. You know, there's no one way to grieve. There's no right way to grieve it's an inevitable thing that we will all go through in our lifetimes. We will lose somebody we love. We will lose people we care about. We will not always get the chance to say goodbye. The deaths won't always be the, you know, idealized version of, you know, 80 years old in your deathbed. Um, Things happen that are really out of our control. And I think grief is the big reminder that we don't Um, have all the time in the world here, and that it's not in our control how long we do have. And it's hard to grapple with it. It goes back to that idea of sitting in uncertainty, of sitting in uncomfortability, going through loss stirs all of that stuff up for us. Again, though, I think it also forces us to look in the mirror at, at what does matter to us, what's important, who we care about, what we care about, how we care about ourselves. And there's beautiful opportunities within grief, you know, in that sense. I think right now it's a particularly difficult time with people not being able to say goodbye to loved ones who are in the hospital and COVID units. I think people are being forced to grieve in isolation right now. Um, We're not being able to hold funerals, memorials, sit shiva, do all the things we're accustomed to. People can't drop by the house and give you a hug. Um, So those are really difficult, exacerbated aspects of what's happening in the grief world right now. I think that In some ways, we really need to turn inward in some ways. I think that creating our own sense of ritual, breaking open our own spiritual selves and sides of ourselves and kind of peering into those corners that maybe we haven't looked into in a while is really important and helpful, Um, especially when we can't have our usual customs and rituals that we do, even just like lighting a candle at night for someone you know that you've lost or for the world at large or um, for a friend who's lost someone or someone's in the hospital. Doing things like that is really important. You know. Otherwise, we're kind of climbing the walls inside trying to figure out how to grieve, how to honor people, how to honor our own feelings. So I think um, really leaning into it all, accepting that this is happening on some level rather than fighting it And then from there, letting yourself feel everything that comes up, letting yourself get emotional, letting yourself cry. It's part of it. One of the amazing things about right now is usually when you go through a loss, losing someone significant that you love, it can feel like the whole world is going on around you. Everyone's doing their things. They're still rushing off to work and parties and traveling. And you're just, your whole world is crumbling inside. And right now it's kind of remarkable to see the whole world stopped and everyone kind of in this space. Um, And in some ways, I think it's comforting and heartening to think about all of us holding that space for each other. There's something really beautiful about that. I think we go through that too. When we lose, you know, a notable figure like Kobe Bryant, you know, the whole world does kind of stop for a minute and take notice of it and grieve with them and feel that. And so I think something similar is happening right now. But also know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people like me. I've been in this grief world, like I said, for over 10 years professionally, and I'm part of a consortium of grief people right now. We're meeting twice a week on Zoom to talk about how to create platforms, create programs, create virtual support. Um, we meet twice a week and just have these lengthy discussions about how can we come together and really um, brace and provide for the onslaught of grief that is coming so it's being recognized and it, you know, we know that it's happening and we're working really hard to help get the message that it's okay to grieve and there's a lot of support out there.
0: Yeah. One of the things I know to be true for me is that um, there are stages to, these, to healing. Um, I remember one of the hardest things that I had to mourn was the loss of my childhood when I got sober. And that took literally years of you know it wasn't years of grief, it was moments of anger and then peace and then sadness and then frustration and then peace again, and then you know it the emotions around that were kind of all over the place, and I just want people to know that that's very normal that you're not regressing just because all of a sudden you feel really angry. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of, we tragically lost one of Evan's dearest friends in a motorcycle accident Mm -hmm. several years ago, and he left behind a beautiful two-year-old son. And I remember feeling like we had done a beautiful service and I felt really like at peace with him. And like maybe six weeks later, I was in my house and all of a sudden I had this flashback of this moment of us two in the kitchen laughing and talking about whatever it was. And I felt really angry at him. I felt, I was like, you have been an accident before you knew how dangerous this was. You left behind a two year old and all of these people who loved you and fuck, like I was just mad. And I remember kind of going into a place of guilt around that anger um and then my husband gently reminded me, like no it 's just a part of this like it 's just sinking in a little bit
1: more mm-hmm. that this is what happened i'm so glad you brought this up. I think um, it is something really important for people to know that they don't always realize that there are stages, there are phases, but they 're not necessarily linear. You can come in and out of them, you may you know, think you've gotten to one great place and you're feeling really good and you're like, wow, okay, I've moved through this. I'm good. And then, you know, like the next day you're on your knees on the bathroom floor, sobbing out of nowhere. And that that's not a regression. Um, That is part of the healing and that those things are really natural and that you can be experiencing a multitude of emotions. I know a lot of people will lose somebody and be really, truly grieving. And then they'll have a moment of happiness or laughing. And then they suddenly catch themselves and they feel this immense guilt for -hmm. feeling that way. Or like you said, they'll, they'll, they'll be angry at their loved one um, and then feel so guilty about it. Um, But that's part of it. It's part of the grief process. It's part of our way of understanding it and processing it. And none of it's right or wrong. It's, it's so individual for each person. There's no perfect formula for grief. There's no exact right way to grieve. The only right thing you can do is, is really allow yourself to move through it and to feel it. when we suppress it and when we don't let ourselves feel all of those things, the anger, the guilt, the, the sadness, the anxiety, then that's when you know, that's when things bubble up that um, exterior symptoms you know, that are not healthy, um, relationship problems, addictions, all of those things. So when we allow ourselves to really feel it and get support, you know, there's no shame in getting support when you're in a vulnerable place. There's yeah. there, That's what you should do. We all need support. It is yeah. really hard to be a human being in the world. I tell this to my daughters all the time. They'll be crying about something. They're like, I'm so bad at this math thing. And I'm like, it's hard to be a human being. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to be great at it. Yeah.
0: Let it be okay that it's hard. Having that grace for ourselves is, yeah. you know, just so important. You know, now more than ever, because this is not normal. We've never lived through something like this before. We're not going to know how to process this
1: on our own. We don't have a blueprint for this.
0: And there's such a plethora of support. I know many therapists are doing online sessions. TalkSpace, you know, shout out to TalkSpace, one of my sponsors. (laughs) Um, You know, for people who maybe can't afford. Traditional, like my therapist is very expensive. So there's definitely different options out there. Do you know of any like group, online group counseling that's happening for people who have been directly affected
1: by COVID? There's things that are beginning to happen. Um, there's an amazing organization called Reimagine Death, and their website is reimagine.org, and they have a wealth of resources and support groups and live discussions, things like that. I work a lot with the motherless daughter population. So women who've lost moms and I'm, and I work with um, the author of motherless daughters. Her name is Hope Edelman. And we're doing a support group for women who've lost moms to COVID. And that's starting in June. There's so many amazing grief organizations out there. There's a really cool one called modernloss.com that has a lot of resources. There's one called Endwell. That's another organization that talks about end of life. There's a really great one um, called The Dinner Party, which is for younger people in their 20s, 30s who are experiencing loss and want to come together and talk about it. There is so much out there. And, you know, a simple internet search should yield a lot of results to finding support. And I think, you know, everyone I know in the grief world is really trying to become virtual and offer. Teletherapy, um, online counseling, Skype sessions, virtual grief groups—it's—it's it's happening and it's there, and I think people should really utilize it. And there's a lot there too for people who can't afford it as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as we were talking earlier about how the screen time it can affect us in a negative way, I think it's all about the intention and the way that you're using it and. Now more than ever, I think we're being called to use it in the right ways, mm-hmm. and it's great to hear that there are these platforms. And you know, and I know that there's so many people who work in this industry who are lowering their prices. I did two free weeks of downloading my book. I did, you know, I'm doing weekly Skype calls uh, for my sober community. I'm doing, you know, there's so many different uh, resources out there. You just have to access them. I think that's hard though. And this is something that's not talked about enough. And that's um, the denial phase of grief. Mm -hmm. Like there, I think that there's a lot of people who, again, when we were talking about how crazy things are getting online and the things that I'm seeing online as far as conspiracy theories and just, you know, everyone voicing their opinions so loudly I think that there is definitely a denial component to this. Like this is too strange to be true.
1: And I think that's a natural phase and stage of grief. You know, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was the doctor who wrote The Five Stages of Grief, she talked about how denial is nature's way of only letting in as much as we can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we're in denial for a period of time because we, we honestly can't handle it. It's too much overload emotionally, cognitively. Um, so we, we go into that space of, of denying it it'll catch up eventually, you know, we can't hide from it forever. Um, and often, you know, the truth and reality comes a calling, but, um, I think it's a natural aspect of what we're going through. I mean, I even have moments still, even what are we six weeks into this? And I, and I have these moments where I'm like, is this actually happening like, <laughs> or just wanting to be in denial, almost wishing I could be, you know?
0: Yeah. Every time I hear these updates of we're pushing it back further and there's going to be stages and we probably won't resume normal life until August. And then starting back in October, it'll probably hit again. And we'll probably go back into our houses. And so I'm like, man, I can't even wrap my head around that. And so what I'm doing or trying to do is just be really, like you said, present and taking it day by day and piece by piece. And just because when I think about my daughter not having play dates all summer long, and when I think about being stuck in my house with my kids and my husband all summer <laughs> long, <laughs> I hear you. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to
1: die. Like, this is like, I'm not going to make it out of this. Like, right. there's no way. So not going to that place, you know, bringing yourself back to the present moment, you know, really coming back to the present moment. What are your favorite mindfulness techniques that you like to use? Oh, wow.
0: Um, So first is breath work. I noticed that's the quickest way for me to get into um, regulating my autonomic nervous system is controlling my breath. Um, I think that we just don't think about it because it's something that's just always happening. Um, So I go to my breath when I'm feeling big emotions bubble up that need to be processed. I personally am a huge fan and use emotional freedom technique tapping Mm -hmm. every single day. I was tapping 15 minutes before our session. I have a really profound meditation regimen that I love and putting my feet on the floor and doing a body scan. I I think that's something that we don't talk about enough actually, is our ability to go outside, stick our feet on some grass Mm -hmm. in the earth. And for anybody who's feeling really overwhelmed right now, I encourage you to do this. Take your shoes off, go outside, stick your feet in the earth. And if it's morning Feel the sun and the warmth on your body or the cool wind and start to become super aware of your environment. Feel, become so quiet that like you can feel your heartbeat, that you can feel every single sensation. And then I do like a scan from head to toe on like where I'm holding stress. I think that that's something that's really helpful. Um, But again, these things, didn't become second nature overnight. I don't, I often feel like when I share these things, people are like, oh, that's a lot, or I could never do that. The simplest thing is breath. Mm -hmm. If you can do in for five, out for eight, or in for five, out for 10, or in for 10, you know what I mean? And out for 14, I don't care. As long as you're getting in, you're exhaling longer than you're inhaling, it will pretty much immediately regulate your autonomic nervous system and bring you into a state of presence and allow you to, um, again, it's all about getting rid of that flooding Mm -hmm. that's happening in our brains and becoming hyper aware of
1: the moment. Exactly. Those are amazing. I mean, anxiety is fear of something real or imagined. And we spend an enormous amount of time in our heads imagining scenarios that aren't even happening. I mean, yes, that may happen that we don't emerge from our homes until August, but we don't know for sure, you know? And so we're dwelling in this space that actually isn't even real. So bringing yourself back to those present moments, doing any kind of grounding work like that is so helpful. You're right. It just completely changes your autonomic nervous system, resets you, gets you back into that place. Yeah. It's-
0: Uh, really been profound for me. And as someone who had almost every diagnosis under the sun, when I first got sober, these simple practices, of course, along with processing my trauma, I no longer experience pretty much. I, I still deal with anxiety to a certain extent, but my depression is gone. My OCD is gone, you know, and I was suicidally depressed. And so, you know, it was certainly bad. Um, the mania is gone. All of these things that I used to deal with have dissipated as a result of doing this work. And I think that medication can be really helpful for a lot of people. And I think that medication and this mm-hmm. just really it amplifies our ability to learn to self-regulate.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, emphasizing that it is a practice. It's something that we have to return to over and over again. It's not something that you do a few times and suddenly you're great at it and it comes easily. You know, it's a practice that you have to go back to every day. And sometimes we fall off of that practice I think about it like, you know, having a workout routine or running or something. It's it's not great every day or some days you have to make yourself get out there and do it. Um, and the same thing is true of mindfulness, meditation, all of those self-regulation techniques. But I think, you know, even when they're difficult or challenging in the beginning, the rewards are so, they come so quickly um i think that you can see positive benefits very quickly early on you know and to kind of hold on to those and hold on to those little bright moments that you feel like oh wow well, today was a little bit better i wonder if that was because i was grounding myself and you know being mindful this morning um so just continuing to come back to that practice
0: yeah i think also another thing that's been really helpful for me i don't usually pick up paper books and read anymore i'm always audible because before I didn't have space or time in my life. Um, but that's been a really helpful thing because we are spending so much more time on our screens, Mm -hmm. picking up a book. I mean, my journal, I just filled a whole journal that was completely empty six weeks ago, (laughs) um, with my hopes and dreams and feelings and just, Processing and affirmations and all of the things. The journal is full. I mean, I could write a whole second book right now, probably. (laughs) Not that I want to add another thing to my list, (laughs) but you know, it's it's really been an eye opener to the possibilities that. And I want to leave people on a good note with this: that we all have. The ability to walk out of this situation as different people. We can take this time to slow down, to better our lives, to prioritize our lives, to develop a mindfulness practice now. So that way, when you go back into your busy lives, which eventually we are going to return to, we do it in a more mindful way. We all have that opportunity. And I think it would be silly to waste it, you know? So I hope that you guys listening will take this as your sign
1: that now's the time to do the work. Yeah, I love that. I totally agree. I think that grief can be really transformative and I'll have moments where I'll, I'll find myself wishing that nothing bad ever happens to my kids, and then I realize that all the hardest things that ever happened to me in my life made me a better person each time. You know, so I know that this is an incredibly difficult time for all of us, and in so many different ways. But I think you're right that there's so much opportunity here. We're going to break down and rebuild in beautiful ways.
0: Yeah, people are always shocked when when I say I'm grateful for every bit of my past, and they're like, "Really? Like." abuse the sexual abuse like the addiction mm-hmm. the you know the felonies all of it. <laughs> like really like you're grateful for all of that and here I am a decade later and I'm like yeah and I wouldn't I honestly wouldn't have had it any other way because it was almost like I needed all of those experiences so that way old patterns, not just of mine, but of my family's could die and really stay dead, you know, for us to like wake up and really begin to heal. And the empathy that I feel for others and the way that I'm able to connect with others is a direct result of all of that, that transpired. And, you know, we have, These moments where we get to turn our pain into purpose and eventually into power, that thing that ignites that flame inside of us and makes us want to do better and live as more conscious beings. And this is one of those opportunities, you know, and maybe you don't want to hear that right now. Maybe you want to wallow in all of the pain and you have every right to do that. I wholeheartedly support you on having a pity party and feeling terrible for weeks, months, if that's what you need. But just know that when you are ready to start processing and you are ready to start healing, there are so many people and so many resources out there to help.
1: I love that. Thank you so much for, um, Holding space for these kinds of conversations and putting this kind of inspiration out there for people. Now's the time.
0: Um, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody find you and buy your books and learn more about your work?
1: Uh, my website, clarebidwellsmith.com. All my books are on Amazon, on Audible, um, wherever books are sold. My most recent book is called Anxiety The Missing Stage of Grief.
0: This week's affirmation is, I am more at ease every day. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com.